And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. It is a great joy to welcome to our show, Alyssa Rustin, and she is an energy intuitive. You can learn more about her by going to our website at alyssarustin.com. We'll post links. So welcome to our show. It's good to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. It's great to be here. Thank you. So what would you describe yourself? How would you describe to be an energy intuitive? Are you, is it something where you pick up on people's energy? Do you feel it? Do you see it? How would you describe what it's like to be an energy intuitive? Yeah, well, I first want to say not only am I an energy intuitive, but I also own a energy healing academy where we teach and train energy healers. So yes, for me as an energy intuitive, it's all of the above. I see it. I hear it, um, you know, like many energy intuitives, I can look at a picture and see if someone's got a disease, if someone's using drugs, if their marriage is in the, you know, pooper. <laughs> so y- y- all of that data comes through. And the thing of it is, is that we all have access to this. I'm, you know, there's nothing actually special about me at all. I just learned how to be able to tap into that level of frequency and data all the time, but literally Everybody has this gift. Everybody has a talent of being able to look at an object and get a hundred percent or close to of the data from that object that's coming through in the field. Okay. So how does one garner that? I've looked at some pictures and I see sometimes there are people that appear happy in a picture. In the meantime, there could be something negative going on. So how do you really garner that information and truly garner what is happening? Well, it, I mean, it's very simple process. It's going to sound really dumb. However, it requires practice. So it's like asking a ballet dancer, how do you do that perfect pirouette and don't fall down and spin around and around and around? Or asking a basketball player, how do you make the epic three, you know, three point shot and you just can nail it at the end of the game, right? Well, they've, they can do it with a lot of practice. So the thing of it is, is that most people are not practiced with using their right brain. Most people aren't practiced in accessing universal data, universal wisdom that's there with all things. And they just are only using the data that their five senses are telling them. So their sight, their smell, their sound, um, and their taste, right? They're using those senses. But we have this vast array of other senses that most people aren't tapping into. And I get that your audience is tapping into that. Um, and they're probably masters of that. But yeah, most people, the average folks, are not on the regular basis every second by second of their day, allowing that connection between their left brain and their right brain to be opened, therefore accessing the vast array of data. And literally, it's just like Googling um, Googling something about your favorite topic and Google dumps into you all this data, right? We have the same capacity. It's just most people don't know how to use it. So to answer your question mm-hmm. very succinctly, it's mostly about knowing how to tap in and then practicing it. 
Right, so if you're going to tap into something, if you're going to go in your right brain intuitive, what is, is there anything that you can do to rapidly get there? And I want to bring one thing to your attention before you answer that is I like Tony Robbins. He's pretty cool. He, one of his first books, he's talking about how to get into a certain state of success. And he had this big visual exercise where you visualize where you are and you'd, you'd be in this intensified state. And then when you got to that peak state, you would grab your hand or grab your wrist and do a gesture. So in the future, when you grabbed your hand or grabbed your wrist, you would automatically, boom, be triggered into that particular state of peak uh, you know, readiness. So what I'd like to ask you is, is there anything you can do to get into that peak level of receptiveness to where you're able to garner the information you describe. Absolutely. And what the technique you're talking about is called anchoring. Mm-hmm. So we would want to get ourselves in your in that in that instance into a peak state to inform your identity because your identity of who you imagine yourself to be is what informs your entire life. And yes, you can anchor that. Um, This is a little bit different in that what you're trying to do is you're trying not to be in a peak state. In fact, you're trying to be in a very balanced brainwave frequency of alpha or theta brainwave state. So when you're in alpha or theta brainwave state, you can easily access vast arrays of information. So one of the things you can do is you can listen to alpha or theta brainwaves and you can practice and entrain your brain into being in that state for most of the day. What kicks us out of that state and what cuts us off completely from the access to that information that's always there, by the way, and the information never goes away. It's just our access to it does, is over-caffeination, over-stimulation, cell phones, computers, being over-busy, not being connected and grounding in your heart and being in heart brain coherence. So it requires us to be a very balanced human being and focused. So if we're trying to multitask, anytime you're trying to multitask, you instantly kick yourself out of alpha or theta brainwave state. And so that limits your access to the information. It's not that the information is not there. It's just you're limiting your access. Does that make sense? It does make sense because I love brainwave frequencies. And we've had Dr. Jill Allen Wexler on our show before talking about that. Mm-hmm. And to my understanding is that if you are working, you need to be in a high functioning alpha or beta in order to process information because your cognitive abilities are in there. I've done theta and delta. My old teacher, Stuart Wild, used to, to do these deep meditations in delta and theta. And he would actually utilize that as a means of glimpsing into other uh, dimensions or realities. He was very adamant about uh, theta metronomes. But you're saying that because people are overly distracted, distracted, they're not able to tap in and utilize the full capacity of their intuitive gifts. But there's another part of what to ask you. You're saying that because of the overstimulation, does it require a certain amount of a dopamine release in order to receive or be able to utilize the full amount of your intuitive abilities? So my understanding is that if you continually uh, are stimulated and you're getting that dopamine hit all the time. You become an addict to that dopamine and eventually it diminishes after a while. Then when you are able to finally be a point where you have some time for yourself, maybe your brain doesn't have the capability 
or even the incentive to receive an intuitive feeling because there's no dopamine associated with it. I was wondering if that has ever uh, mm. has come into play for your teachings. That's a great question. And I don't know if there's studies out there about that. I can tell you what my intuitive sense is. Sure. Um, I want to back up to something that you said, though, and make a clarification for your listeners. Okay. So you can actually be a great business person and be in alpha state. To be in high beta is to be stressed out. To be in okay. beta is to be what I think is sort of how we've derived our society to act and function. I actually don't think it's a normal way of living. So you can actually train your brain and your body to be in your business world and be in alpha state. So you're fully relaxed, you're productive, you're moving forward, and you're still getting access to a lot more information that's coming through. So my belief is that you can do both. Creatives know how to do this um, automatically, like um, writers, artists, they're naturally in that more alpha state. So that's the first thing is you don't have to be in high beta all the time. It's just how our society has been programmed to behave. Yeah, there. Maybe that's why there's, so like, I guess it's the fear frequency. So many people get, get locked in that. You know? yes. I noticed that you have quartz crystal in the background. And that's, that's one of my favorite crystals. I love that one. So if you are, are there any particular crystals that you recommend people hang on to that will enhance their intuition, that will enhance their perception? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to also back up to sure. um, the question about the dopamine. Um, and I think I'll answer them both together. So um, quartz, I love quartz. It's amazing. I work a lot with Herkimer Diamond, which is also crystal quartz. It is one of those ones that cleans up your internal frequency. Most people operate with a lot of static in their frequency. So imagine if you're trying to turn tune into a radio station or a TV station and you had static, it wouldn't come across very clearly, right? You wouldn't get the messages very clearly. And to your point, if you're trying to meditate and you are addicted to your phone or you're addicted to your computer and you're not getting the constant dopamine, even that can act as static in your intuitive channel. So what we want to try and do is we want to clean up our intuitive channel. What are the things that clog our channel? Well, it's too much TV and screen time. It's alcohol of any kind. It's drugs of any kind. It's processed foods. All of these things clog our channel. It's thinking negative thoughts. So we want to really work to clean up our channel and why I love quartz and especially Herkimer diamond is because when you wear this on your body, it's going to start to help you clean up your own channel. And you're going to sort of lose the desire or lose the interest to do a lot of the things that have been clogging the channel. It's really, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And one of my close friends, uh, she's a metaphysical teacher. And she said that sometimes I guess you you could take some of these stones and you actually can recharge them or they get, they get, they get, they get dull. Maybe they get dull up or up. You, you can recharge them by putting them out in the full moon or you have to, you know, Kind of keep their energy. Is there, is there any, do you ever believe? Do you believe that at all? That you need to take these stones and kind of do something with them, like sage them down a little bit to clear off. I mean, do they pick up your energy? Do they need to be cleansed at any point? Absolutely, they pick up your energy. And every mm -hmm. stone wants to be cleansed differently. My recommendation is that you talk to the stone and ask it how do you how do you want to be cleansed, and it will tell you. Um, clear 
clear stones really love the sunshine. Colored stones don't love the sunshine. They bleach out in the sun. So you want to bathe those in the moonlight, sage them or cleanse them in water. A lot of stones love to be buried in the earth for a recharge because that's after all where they come from. But yeah, you can literally uh, pick up somebody's crystal and you can feel their energy from it. And so we want to practice energetic hygiene with ourselves with our crystals, with our houses, you know, um, one of the things I do, so I'm in Arizona right now for the gem show. And I always like to go around, um, after I'm done to Sedona and I'll go to the little crystal shops. And two years ago, I interviewed some crystal shop owners because you would walk into one crystal shop and it would be amazing and glorious and gorgeous and super high frequency and high vibration. And then you'd walk into another crystal store right next door and you'd feel this big thud in your system and you'd feel instantly like the oogly booglies mm. were around, you know? And so I, I went around to enough high vibration crystal stores and I asked them all the same question. I said, what do you do to keep it so high vibe in here? And the number one thing they said is we set our intention and we clean the store every day with the intention of infusing the whole store with love and light. And we cleanse off everybody's energy off the crystal. So it's not held. We dust, we clean it off. And the stores that you could feel like that big cur thud yeah. with, they didn't really do this process. They didn't dust. They didn't clean. They weren't constantly refreshing the energy. One of the things we have to remember as people, we leave around a big energy imprint. We leave a big... oh, the residual energy. What's that? The residual energy. Yeah, the residual. Yeah. We leave a big residual energy. And so when oftentimes when we go and visit a place, it's not so much the place. It's the humans that have inhabited oh, the place that are clogging that energetic channel down. So we as human beings have to remember, it's just like brushing our teeth, that energetic hygiene of caring for ourselves. And one of the practices that I teach and I love is just doing a little mini bit of sun gazing and infusing the light of the sun, early morning sun, early evening sun, just even five seconds of it with the intention to breathe in those photons of light and cleanse out your system will keep you very clean energetically. I'm really glad you said that because that actually is in alignment with uh, an expert we've had on our show previously who has also said one of the best things you can do in the morning is actually get, you know, get 15 minutes of sun. It's good for your body. Yes. It's really, really good. And then we, we've had multiple guests that have talked about the virtues of grounding, how important that is. So it's really wonderful. Um, it's pretty well. I'd like to talk a little bit about your experience, Alyssa, because you, you've overcome quite a bit. And uh, let's tell uh, let's inform our audience a little bit about Alyssa. Before, you know, you look wonderful right now and you look healthy. But before we get to this point in time, you, you've suffered from rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, IBS, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, Lyme disease. And that, that and according to your body, that's just to name a few. So what, how did you turn your life around and what was the catalyst for you making these dramatic changes in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me piggyback on that. And in, in addition to all those diseases, I was 240 pounds. Oh. I used a walker to get around. I was on 28 different medications, including at a pick line in my arm that infused medication, chemotherapy medication into my body. Um, I was on, I don't know if I said end of life pain management 
So I was a bit of a mess. In life pain, pain management, so you were, were you in a hospice? Um, I wasn't in hospice, but I was close. Wow. Yeah. So it was it was pretty gnarly. I mean, in fact, you know, those fentanyl suckers that they warn everybody about, I was on six of those a day, the top mm. maximum dosage that had the stickers for my caregivers to come in to say, don't touch these because it can kill you. So, yeah, I mean, oh. just touching a fentanyl sucker can kill you. And I was taking six of them a day. Oh my God. So, you know, ultimately why I got there was because I had a lot of trauma and things that I really never dealt with. My diet was horrible. I was a two pack a day smoker. I was a bottle of of nice Cabernet, a day drinker. (laughs) And that's how I dealt with my stress plus overworking. That was my winning combination. And ultimately it got to be too much for me. And there came a point where I got so sick that I hit rock bottom and my rock bottom was dying on the toilet. And what I want to say to people is you don't have to hit rock bottom in order to heal your life. I got so many nudges. I got so many opportunities to change before I hit rock bottom and I didn't take a single one of them. (laughs) So that's the thing you can, if you get the nudge and you want to be proactive and say, oh yeah, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to make some changes here. I'm going to start to do that inner healing work. You don't ever have to hit the rock bottom, but I unfortunately needed the rock bottom plan. And once I, once I died on the toilet and woke up in the hospital after dying, um, I realized, oh, my life is broken. And what I've been doing to heal myself is not working. In fact, it's killing me. And uh-huh. I knew I needed to make a change. So uh, then you, go about changing my life. That's really wonderful that happened. And when you died, did you have any experience? Were you, were you completely aware of what was happening during that period of time? Yeah. So my near-death experience wasn't the standard one where you raise up and see your body mm-hmm. and working with yourself. That's, I sort of think of that, like people who have that, it's more of an out of body experience and they haven't yet hit the death stages of the experience. So I actually skipped that portion and I went up directly into what I call God consciousness or divine consciousness, where you're one with everything all at once. And I'm talking, you're literally one with everything, the universes, the multiverses, every little species, animal, you know, human and otherwise alien beings and otherwise mm-hmm. you, you literally are, you have access to all of that consciousness and you get to be that consciousness. Um, I personally got access to how our particular solar system was formed with light and sound. I got access to what the understanding of the mathematical equations behind sacred geometry. So there was, it was vast amounts of information coming in and I got to explore the cosmos for a bit Um, before I was taken to an earth-like place, which you might call the etheric realm. And I was likely going to spend time as a ghost or a disembodied spirit in the etheric realm, but I got an opportunity to come back. So how did that opportunity arise? And I have a couple more questions about your experience out there. Yeah. Well, when I was in the etheric realm, because at some point I saw this place that was like earth. And so I'm up here being God consciousness. And I saw this place like earth and I dove my consciousness down into it. And all of a sudden I kind of got pulled back into being Alyssa consciousness. And I didn't have a body in this experience, but I could, you know, be around loved ones. 
um, some boyfriends that I had had in the past, you know, I got to remember I'm only 30 when this happened. So I, uh, went and was around some boyfriend, you know, a boyfriend mm-hmm. who was addicted and all that stuff. And it was a very lovely place. I couldn't talk to the person, but it felt very healing to me. And at some point a group consciousness came to me and said, you know, you can stay here as long as you want. And it'll be a very healing place for you, but you can't come back to the Alyssa body. Um, but you can go right now and go back into the Alyssa body. It'll be the hardest work you've ever done, but it'll be well worth it. And I just, I instantly said yes. And as soon as I said, yes, it was like somebody dropped me off a thousand story building and just slammed me into my body. Wow. That's, um, so it was that choice, I guess, at the end of the city, you want to go back and come back. But when you become one with the source and you become all-knowing, I guess that's what a good friend of mine uh, who's been on the show says, we're all, we're all, it's one being, infinite points of attraction for that one being or points of attraction for that being. Okay. And you're looking at Earth. This, this something is it's something has been emerging on our show lately where we've been having people that are coming on that are describing earth in a different way than how we, we've been told from an out of body experience being there. Yeah. Did you perceive the earth as an actual like round planet and the gal and all these things within our system as round planets or were they actually maybe planes of existence that are actually, okay, well, so this is not necessarily a planet, but it's actually, this is just a plane of existence. This is a place for evolution and involvement and humans do not transverse outside this set realm. I'm just I'm curious. What, what was the experience like? For you? What did you see? Totally. Totally. Really? How we have the story we've all been taught about earth mm-hmm. and what it is, is not true. So, <laughs> so, so what is it? It's just not true. The, like what we've been told about even the consciousness of mama earth, mm-hmm. you know, we've been told that mother earth's not conscious. We've been told we're just living on a rock. Mm-hmm. So h- how I experienced it was, as you said, one being infinite points of attraction with the goal of expanding consciousness. That is the main goal, expanding consciousness, having experiences. How I experienced things was not only that there's, as you say, one earth. Mm -hmm. I did not see it that way at all. I saw it as people sort of an overlay planes of existence. So it's Ryan McCormick Mm -hmm. on his earth and his planes of existence overlapping with Alyssa Rushton on her earth with her planes of existence. So it's really a hard thing to describe, but if you can imagine infinite little slivers of layers of planes of dimension that were all sort of overlaid on top of each other. So it appears as one thing, right? But really it's so many different multiplicities of experiences and you can hop from one plane of existence to another through a um, timeline jump or a quantum leap where Ryan McCormick is having this existence on earth. And mm-hmm. then pretty soon you're having a totally different experience on earth. And it appears as if the people in your life have, have changed, but it's really you that's changed. Mm-hmm. And you've popped into a different layer 
of the planes of existence on the collective planet earth, which I don't see really as a globe when I saw it up there. I mean, every, everything was kind of a spherical thing that I went into. So like this was Ryan's experience and I would go into your experience as consciousness and I would see out your eyes and feel out your body. Right. As but overall, the physical, what was the physical, what did earth physically look like? Was it a ball? Was it, was it kind of a plane? Because it's the, it's the strangest thing yeah. is, that, is that in the course of in the last couple of years, I'd say, especially this year, there are, there's a certain, I, I don't know if it's because I'm changing or I'm growing or because I'm, I'm looking at things differently, but I'm, I'm seeing the world completely differently. And I'm also looking at things in the past completely differently. Yes. So, but, uh, I'm seeing more and more of these these, these people that are, I guess I'm, I'm interacting with, they're saying, that, well, look, it's like, you know, what exactly is Earth? What is, is it, is it around, is it around planet in the galaxy or is it a plane of existence within a galaxy? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, is it both? Is it? That's the thing. Yeah. It's actually both. You're both in a plane of existence mm-hmm. on a round planet in a galaxy mm-hmm. that's actually informed in consciousness. So theoretically, you're you're on this um i wish i could just describe it like i'm seeing it but how i see it is layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of dimension and yes you do have a round planet in there so and i and by the way what you're asking is like is it this or is it this that's a question that's really born in the separation consciousness that here is on planet earth. So if every time you're asking a this or that question, you and your mind can start to say, it's actually yes. And it is both because okay. up there, that's how it is. It is, it is the allness of the all that is right. It's good and bad. It's light and dark. So it's not, one thing or the other it's yes and and so that's how I saw it and I'm not saying I'm 100% right but I am saying how I saw on the other side was like a plane of existence and a solar systems many different solar systems many different universes within these planes of of existence kind of like a foot and it was a very flat plane like a you know um I want to say like a sandwich okay uh, you know, just open. This is the thing. That I'm so glad you brought that up because it's we're constantly seeking, and the idea of, of the jumps when you, when you said that something really resonated deep with me because Alyssa, there was a period of time. It was probably maybe twelve or fifteen years ago. My life was going on one particular trajectory, and it was a very tough period of time. And I'll never forget. I was I was on the beach, and I was I was really like desperate to make the change. And I felt something shift. It was weird. And then at that point going forward, the, the trajectory I was on went in a completely different direction. And I feel like I went into a parallel reality. Totally. And something else is kind of strange too. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but do you ever feel sometimes we, you have a ref- a memories of the way things were and most people don't remember things the way you saw it and you were convinced that that was the way it was? Yes. Uh, well, why has that happened? So I would, okay, so let's bring it back to the planes of existence. Yeah. So if you, and I'm going to describe it a little differently. Imagine that there's, we, we, we all think that there's one earth, but mm-hmm. what if you just allowed yourself to pretend that there's infinite earths out there? And when you make a vibrational shift, y- you actually leave this 
dimension of earth and go into this other little sub dimension of earth where everything's a little easier. Everything's a little lighter and brighter. Maybe that purple sweater that was your favorite purple. Um, you now look in your closet and it's a black sweater and you're like, Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, or maybe it's a brighter shade of purple and you really enjoy it more. Maybe you're driving down the road and a street sign that's never been there before is now there. So these are all clues. And I call it quantum time jumping where you're jumping timelines, you're literally jumping from an earth that you're on to a different level of earth. And it can truly appear that people in your life have changed. When you make an internal vibration shift, you jump up in the vibration of earth that you're inhabiting. And so people will be different. Traffic will be different. Um, you know, there might be a building that was there that was never there. Now, I want to say this. Your mind is capable of holding only so much change at once. So your mind will give you little clues and hints to let you know, yes, you've actually changed a reality, but it's very hard for most people to change a huge ton all at once. Okay. Okay. So for example, let's say a bum or a homeless person who's on the street with no money has this quantum shift, it's very difficult for them to go live in a mansion and hold that reality for any length of time because it's too much consciousness shift for them. So, however, if we are doing the work and maybe you got into that place in the beach where your just soul was like, okay, we're ready for a shift. And you were in that frequency and you felt the frequency and you locked it into your body, or maybe it was just time, you know, in your astrology for things to make change for you. Right? Happened, at the right time. Yeah. happened at the right time. Say it again. Happened at the last minute. Yeah. Right? The last and final minute. We often as human beings wait until the last and final minute. Then it shifts you. You pop into a different level and reality of earth. And then you notice the things so that you can see for some people on a subconscious level, but it sounds like you're conscious to it. Like, oh yes, I am in a different place. I am in a different plane. And then the life can start playing out in usually a much more positive way, but it can also go the other direction as well if we're not being intentional and conscious. I love that answer, Alyssa. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask, ask something on, on top of that is we have people, you know, and I'd say freedom on individuals, people of love and heart, they, they look at the world and they say, okay, well, there's a, an elite group of individuals, very small amount, that they're trying to kill everyone. They're, they're spraying stuff in the sky. They're, they're trying to do whatever they can to impose uh, a tyrannical digital uh, totalitarianism upon the world. I don't want to live in that reality. I, I, I want to go to a different reality. I'm sure other people want to as well. But mm-hmm. we still see this. A lot of horrible things that are happening. So what can we do, freedom-minded oriented people with love and hearts, how can we quantum leap into a reality where those people don't exist and maybe where there's smarter people on earth. What can we do? Please. I'm so desperate for an answer to this question. Okay. I'm so glad you asked this question and I'm going to give it two parts. Okay. So first I'm going to start with what is the purpose of earth? What is the purpose that we are here for? Mm-hmm. When I was on the other side, I sort of saw it as third grade. Okay. We are here is a very immature society global society. We're working on very immature lessons. There's much more advanced, amazing lessons to be learned elsewhere. However, here on planet earth, we are learning unconditional love. We are learning compassion. We are learning mastery over the physical body. 
mental body and emotional body, right? So we're learning those things. And some people are farther along than others. And some people are still in that control domination. Uh, let me get what's mine. Okay. So I'm, I'm setting this up because if you're in third grade and you're here to learn third grade lessons, but you're also trying to change the third grade curriculum, right? In that I'm going to save the planet. I'm going to make it different. That's fine. And part of the reason why these things are happening is for us to be learning the lessons we are here for. If you take away the lesson learning mechanism, you do not learn the lesson. For example, if you take away the mountain, you cannot climb it. Okay. So part of the reason why we have this unfortunate negative circumstances out there is so that we can learn what we're here to learn, our soul's lesson and lessons that you, you need to know how to do these things when you graduate into higher dimensions of consciousness. Listen, when you are a light being creating an instant light speed, you've got to really be able to manage your emotional self, your physical self, right? Even on the other side, you might have a physical light body. You're, it is a very physical experience. You just don't have a flesh suit, right? Your suit is different. So you're creating at these light speeds. If you don't know how to do that here, you're going to really struggle on the other side. You're going to struggle in higher uh, more advanced lessons. So part of what you're talking about is we're here to learn lessons and we need a lesson learning mechanism. And that's how we do it here on earth is through some unfortunate circumstances at times. Now, having said that, like I mentioned, it's a yes. And so learning the lesson, learning how to hold unconditional love for people that may be trying to kill us or harm us or inject our food with all sorts of chemicals, right? Learning how to hold the frequency of unconditional love and compassion towards that person, seeing them, as you said, when you started this out as part of the one energy, right? It's, we're all coming from one energy. So that person or set of people who are trying to kill us are still all coming from the source energy, right? They're expanding consciousness too, just in their own different way. So if we can remember that and then take it down to, well, then what can I do? Mm -hmm. Here's what I would suggest is practice embodying unconditional love at all times, even when it's difficult. And envision the future that you want, envision that golden future, envision that uh, our food and everything are, are um, beautiful and taken care of and make choices that are in alignment with that. Let me tell you something, you can do all the visioning you want, but if you're still buying Tide, you know, <laughs> then you're not helping the problem. So you have to look at your life and say, Am I being an example, an embodied example of what it is to live the golden future? Because here's the thing. It happens as and through your body. The, the falsehood is that it happens. It's going to happen on the outside of us. 
No, it's not going to happen on the outside of this. It's going to happen on the inside of you first. So how you get to create a different reality is you have to change all of the things you don't like. You've got to go to the grocery store and buy the organic food. You've got to start growing your own food as much as you can. You've got to start stopping the toxic chemicals into your life and make those changes on the inside first. You've got to start showing up and being a nice person in traffic, right? you got to... You hold that compassion and that aloha love spirit when you're late for a meeting and you're five, running five minutes late and you just want the guy in front of you to go faster. So it happens as and through you, not on the outside of you. And when you make the shift on the inside, you will have to see your outer world change. But I think that's what, what gets people caught up is because they're like, oh, I just want the outside world to change. Oh, I just change want- inside. Yeah, you have to change it from within because here's the thing, and this is real important. When you pass out of this physical body and your consciousness expands, you don't change, you don't take the changes that happened on earth. The only thing you take with you is your expanded consciousness. The only thing you take with you is the lessons and the frequency that you're embodying So if you install those frequencies of unconditional love, Mm -hmm. uh, purified source energy of instantaneous healing of, you know, health and vitality through every cell of your body, no matter what, and holding those frequencies, you take that frequency to the other side, but really that's all you take. You only take your frequency. You only take those soul lessons. Okay. I love your answer. I thank you for explaining that. But you mentioned something about your near-death experiences. That when you died, you became one with source. You were, you're, you know, all things one. So what I'm wondering is, what is the point of actually having to come into a physical body to learn lessons? If because if you're one with source, I imagine you are peak consciousness. And do you also these souls that we have are these eternal? I mean, are these points of attraction that we carry throughout various life incarnations that we, we have the same soul for various I'm just so perplexed as to why we have to come here to learn things if our true nature is source and source is peak evolution and peak consciousness. It's a great question. And I think one that people are still trying to figure out, right? It's it's a it's a vexing question of well, why would I have to come here to learn lessons? Why would I choose this experience? And I would suggest that it's like asking the question, well, why would I go to a new restaurant to try a new food? Oh. Do you know what I'm saying? Like why would you want to go try a new food? Well, some people might not ever choose to come to planet Earth, and those people are not doing so. And some people are choosing to come to planet Earth because it gives you a very physical experience. Mm-hmm. And if you if your main goal is expanding consciousness, well, how do you expand consciousness? You learn lessons, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's yeah. how you expand consciousness. You experience the pluses and the deltas. You experience all aspects of it. So to your question, it's not that we have to learn lessons. It's that we choose to come down here and take a physical body. Now, I will also suggest that much of your audience has been here before many times as old souls, and that it's less about learning lessons in this lifetime 
and more about bringing down their multidimensional selves, their ascended master selves, their um, maybe their Pleiadian selves, their Arcturian selves, their um, cosmic selves and their cosmic wisdom and bringing that information here to the planet at this time to help the globe wake up and move into a higher density as a planet into more of a service to others type of a planet versus a gimme, 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 my, my, mind planet. So I personally think it's a, again, it's a yes. And it's, there's many younger souls that maybe haven't taken a physical body except, you know, maybe two or three times mm-hmm. here right now. Um, and those are the ones that you spoke of that are trying to kind of wreck us. Um, they, they don't have the understanding that an older soul would. They, they think that they are going to get to take it all with them. They think it's about how much can I get now? How much money can I accumulate? How much success can I have? How much beauty can I have? in my life? How, how many cars can I put in my garage? And that's going to be the path of a young soul in the path of the old soul is going to be how much information and wisdom can I bring through? How many people can I serve while I'm here? How much love can I radiate from my heart at all times, even when I'm in the grocery store and I'm in a hurry, you know, that's the path of the old soul. The old soul is less concerned about consuming and getting and more concerned about being of service. So I think you have both here right now. You've got a lot of young souls here and you've got an extreme amount of people like are listening right now, Mm -hmm. those old souls, those masters, those wisdom keepers, Mm -hmm. right. Who are here to really bring forward some of this wisdom and be a way paver, so to speak. Love that answer. Celeste Rustin, I want to thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing your wisdom, your passion, your love. Get a little more about us by going to her website. We'll post a link. And also, you can do one-on-one training with her. And some of these amazing th- things you offer, you will have a, a Diving Light Healers Academy, intuitive readings. You can also learn to do uh, quantum jumping I mean, amazing. And also, I mean, there's just a, a, a previous interviews that you've done, a wonderful blog. I mean, there's a, a ton of information. Let's see. This is an amazing interview. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, my gosh, Ryan. Thank you for this cosmic conversation. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest, and special thanks as always to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.